while I was working, like in between calls, you know, I was just kind of daydreaming and I was thinking, what if there were a sumo RPG? Holy shit, I was... Uh, remember whenever we went to, um, God, was it Walmart? Where they had that fucking Cobra Kai Where you game? beat me up. I didn't beat you up at Walmart. Okay, so we were at Walmart, right? And I found like a little ninja kit. You know, it had like two battery-powered ninja swords where like you push a little button and it makes a whooshing, whooshing kind of noise. And uh, so one of them was removed from the packaging. So I, of course, I took it all around the store with me and was just, you know. Ninjing it up in the Walmart, yes. Yeah, just brandishing it at everybody <laughs> and everything. We go to the arts and crafts department to look for stuffing. And uh, she sees these wooden, like little wooden sticks, you know, like they look like little flagpoles. Dowels. Yeah. Yeah. And so she challenges me to a fucking sword fight. You were already poking me with your sword. <laughs> You're always poking me with your sword. <laughs> but anyway, so she challenges me in the aisle, and there's this poor innocent bystander walking by, just kind of chuckling at us. So anyway, I'm sitting here channeling, you know, like my inner fucking, like either Wesley or Inigo Montoya, you know, fucking <laughs> fencing around. And I was like, oh, I even pulled the, because I was fighting with my left hand. I was like, oh. But I'm not left-handed. Switch to my right and start whooping some ass. But when I switch to the right hand. Yeah. And then that's when you knocked me over in the middle of the craft aisle at the Walmart. <laughs> I didn't knock you over. You. She took a step back and the sole of her boot kind of like did a we weeble wobble. And then she fell backwards. <laughs> the whole time she's falling backwards, she has this huge, silly, shit-eating grin on her face. <laughs> the whole time because she's laughing and having fun. And as she topples over and Gets a god-awful bruise or contusion on the back of her knee yeah. and lands on her butt cheek and busts her phone screen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she she didn't lose that fucking smile like that whole time, you know. And then I had to help her out. Because I, think I knew that I could tell this story afterward. Oh, is that what was, <laughs> is that what was keeping you from like, like, oh my god, I fell. It was like, ooh, I'm so going to tell everyone that Matt beat me up in the Walmart. In the middle of the Walmart. <laughs> Whatever it is. Beat you up in the damn Walmart. <laughs> We're gonna end up on one of those websites where it's like, look at these dumb hillbillies at the Walmart or whatever. Yeah, these hillbillies wearing like lots of spikes and patches, <laughs> being each other up in a Walmart in Texas. <laughs> but anyway, so after our Walmart misadventures, <laughs> I saw this like Cobra Kai fighting game. So it's like a, it has like a little. I think you have to like move through the belt ring you know to to level up yeah. and then it has like this little fighting kind of like arena thing and you have like your different cards yeah. so it looked kind of like maybe a magic the gathering or a beyblade or you know maybe something like that where there's a card combat system and you fight or like pokemon yeah pokemon yeah, or yeah. you know but there were a few extra steps in there so maybe more like Yu-Gi-Oh, you know where you have to have like the little uh, sure. card things yeah so and i was you know sabrina had been talking about you know this sumo rpg so I was thinking we get like a little dohyo, you know, like little game board. That's a dohyo, And then it has like a grid of the different spaces that you could move within. And then you do your tachi eye, right? So you take your fucking, your D20 mm -hmm. and then you roll a tachi eye and your other opponent, you know, rolls their tachi eye. Whoever, of course, whoever has the highest fucking roll wins the tachi eye and you move your opponent back like two spaces within the dohyo, And then 
once they're in those two spaces back, they could try and save or they can try to, you know, whatever. Okay, see, you're sitting there trying to think of the mechanics of the game. Yeah. I'm sitting here trying to think of what are the races and classes going to be. Oh, okay. So races, you know. Um, you have the quote unquote pixies, which is a term that people already use for like the more Inho, Midori, lightweight, Fuji, shorter Kotoweko. rikshi. Yeah. yeah. You can have like your lanky boys. So your like Ichiyamamoto's and Abis. Exactly. And then um, let's see, you, you can have like your tanks. Yeah, the muscle know? men. Yeah, the tanks, muscle men. So that would be more like, I, I would say Asano Yama would could kind of be in that. Uh, what's his name? Asakoryu for sure. Yeah. And uh, and then you can have like giants, you know, like, like, Hokuseo. like Ichinojo and yeah, shit like, like that. Yeah, like guys that are giants you yeah. know so i i think that's a fucking great idea well no, what about classes what about because you got your tanks and then you have giants but what about the guys that are like big but they're not exceptionally tall or anything like like takakesho i wouldn't say he's a pixie but i also wouldn't say he's a muscle man oh you're talking the meatball race the meatball race. <laughs> well maybe not oh bushozan could be part of the meatball race but i'm just saying like guys that are big but not necessarily giants the gelatinous cubes Sure. <laughs> so we'll say, okay, so there could be the big guys are, you know, like big, but not giants. What we just, whatever. We'll think of a better yeah, language yeah, for yeah. them. We'll but then out. we have the giants. So the giants would be like Ichinojo, Hokuseho. Right, right. But guys like fucking Bushozan, Takakesho, they would be in that in between the tank muscle men race and then the fucking giant race. So some, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we'll think of something to put right there. Okay. okay so those are the races. We may have to think of a better term than race too. Yeah. But anyway, so the classes. Yeah. Okay. That's going to be based on their style of fighting. Maybe like which Kamari Te they use more. Um, but I was also thinking the types of Rikshi who it seems like the judges just favor. Yeah. And like every... Every monoe is always decided in their favor. It c- it could be some sort of like cleric or paladin sort of um, adjacent class. Yeah, for those guys, you know, like they're just like uh, crowd, like crowd, uh, either crowd or official enchantment or something like that. No, no, no. This is an actual class. Oh, okay? okay, where you get like you automatically get, uh, let's say, extra. Yeah, well, not even charismatic. It's like, you know, maybe they they pay off the judges or something like that. <laughs> but um, they just seem to have more luck, basically. Okay. So, yeah. So a class like, that has naturally, a Like, you know, so like they don't like have a... to worry about putting more points into, a, like, luck or whatever skill. Yeah, so kind of like how a rogue get. would normally have, like, a high charisma. Yes. Which would give them high luck anyway. Yes, exactly. Okay, so let's just call that the charismatic class. Okay, sure. All right, and then I would say Oshizumo should definitely be, you know, like, a, one of the base classes. Yes. So, like, an Oshi specialist and then a Yotsu, you know, belt specialist, I think, would be... And then um, a throw daddy. We would need a throw daddy. <laughs> a throw daddy. Yeah, like someone like like hoax. Uh, no, uh, like a uh, Hoshoryu. You know, because okay. because he's a throw daddy. He's not. I mean, yeah. he's he's or even fucking uh, what's his face? Uh, your other boyfriend, uh, Karishima. Karishima. You know how those guys are. You know they could do Oshi. They could do Yotes, and uh, you know they're really fucking good at it. But both of those guys are throw daddies. They fucking True. love to throw people, and they could throw and trip and do all of that weird kind of shit. In fact, you know, like the whole um, you know Mongolian introduction into sumo, like necessitated them to add more Kimarite. So it doesn't necessarily have to be that. 
get their Mongolian to just be their throw daddies, you know? Yeah. And but whatever fucking, uh, whatever ethnicity you want your character to be, you know, he could still be a fucking either like a, a pixie or a giant or whatever. And then he could either be an Oshizumo, Yotsuzumo, charismatic, a throw daddy. Yeah. Or, um, exactly. And uh, like different, uh, different races will have like different classes that they're more suited for. Oh, too, prestige you know? classes. That too. Yeah. Then we have to figure out what is the moral system of this. Oh, the alignment system? Yeah, the alignment system going to be. Oh, man. So anytime that you have like a Mata. Oh, we would have to figure out a Mata system too. <laughs> but yeah, if, if you have a lot of Matas and a lot I of I think fucking... if you roll a one, it's an automatic Mata. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. But we'll have to we'll have to figure that out because um, I think we should definitely put like audience. I think it should be like according to the audience. Like how is the audience perceiving the action, and that affects your alignment. Um, no, because alignment is typically hard to change. Um, so Unless it you're wouldn't play necessarily a Star Wars be based on. <laughs> it wouldn't necessarily be based on how the audience is feeling at the time, but you could get a boost from. The, how much the audience is... Oh, like plus four audience favor. Yeah. Or negative four, you know, audience ire or something like that. Yeah, you get like extra points added to your roles if the audience is really digging whatever it is yeah. you're doing. But I want this... I think that if we do do this and, you know, we'll have something that kind of look like chess pieces, you know, that we put, you know, at the Shakirison in the middle of like, you know, our little game oh, board. Oh, I'm making little fucking die cast reek sheet. Oh, fuck. I'm hating those little fuckers. It's going to be right. great. And, you know, Know what? There's nothing saying that in this world the the pixie class of Rikshi doesn't have wings or the fucking you know whatever class doesn't. So you say have you like want to get fucking horns weird with it. and a tail. So whenever you want to do <laughs> fantasy sumo, you're talking about fantasy, fantasy sumo. sumo. Okay, so we have the orc king, you know, verse, you know, and the orc king would be a giant. Yeah. And uh, he would be an Oshi specialist because he's an orc. He wants to fucking yeah, hit yeah. people. And uh, I think if since he's the orc king and an Oshi specialist, I think he should have like a prestige class of like, uh, like a brute, you know, like his Harite and his Supari are just so fucking hardcore. He automatically sure. gets a plus two attack bonus on, you know, any role that he makes. Yeah, he gets uh, bonuses to his Tachiai to like do like a forearm blast to the face. Or yeah, something. fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah he automatic Kachiage at the Tachiai, you know, so... If he gets like above like a like a twelve when he rolls the d twenty, anything above a twelve could possibly be a knockout unless they could do a saving throw. But that's the other thing oh, I wanted wow. to say is like, what type of combat system should we emulate, and what type of combat like how should we? I think tailor- this is going to take a lot of research. It's been a while since I've even played any tabletop role playing. I think games. some of the simplest like combat systems would be the Star Wars tabletop RPG. Mm. That's a really super easy combat system. I don't know. I played the My Little Pony Friendship is Magic tabletop RPG, and that was pretty simplistic, too. What about... Um, what's the Are one- you sure we can't base our sumo-themed RPG off of My Little Pony? Let's look at the combat system. <laughs> okay. Super 
my name is Matt, and the weirdest place that I have ever put my penis was in a bean burrito. Hey, I was the one that put that on your penis. You did. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Sabrina, and the weirdest place I ever put my penis was in the dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> God. Hey, it's detachable. <laughs> And this, and this is, is Sumo Punks. <laughs> Welcome to the uh, New Year's episode. Yes, this is our annual New Year's Q&A episode where you guys get to ask us any questions you want. Any. And we have to answer them. Before we get into that, though, we do want to do a quick run through of the upcoming events. We do have quite a few exciting ones this time around. January 14th. The Erd Cup and Budapest, Hungary. So I don't think I'm pronouncing Erd correctly, uh, if at all. It's you spelled- pronounced Budapest correctly. I tried. As far as I know, anyway. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> but uh, E R D. I'm 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 sticking with Erd. 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 Mm-hmm. Whatever. So this is hosted by the Erdi Spartacus Sports Club. They have a Facebook. And they should have more information available. Should you want to go to Hungary and, uh, you know, battle some Hungarians for the gold? Dude, those Hungarians, they're pretty good at what they do. Eastern Europe, for whatever reason, just has just like... Just in general, has some really superb sumo Shit, just grappling in general. Shit. True. Have, yeah. True. January 27th, the Kuma Sumo Bash. Kuma. Part two. So this is a juniors-only tournament, so competitors must be under 18. There will be a demonstration, some instruction, and the tournament itself. This is going to be at Antioch High School in Antioch, Tennessee. No registration fee! However, you must be a USSF member to participate. Quick side note. Renew your United States Sumo Federation membership if you had not done yes. so already. The deadline is January the 31st, 2024. And if you do not renew it by the end of January and your membership lapses, you will lose the ability to vote and have a voice within the Federation. So if you've been registered in 2023, renew your registration for the end of the month. And do it now. And if you send, while you're thinking about it, pause the podcast. Pause, and go pause do the it. podcast and do it. <laughs> and also, the first person to send us a copy of their receipt for paying their uh, fees for the USSF will win a prize. February 10th, the Mighty Eagle Teams Tournament. The Met. The fucking Met. Yeah. So the Met is going to be taking place at Rolling Oaks Mall in San Antonio, Texas. You can sign up at MightyEagleSumo.com. The Met last year was one of my favorite fucking tournaments. Uh, if it I wasn't- think it's the only teams tournament, like all teams tournament in the U.S., and the, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. And uh, it's the structure is pretty easy. You come in uh, teams of three. So there is going to be, I think it's uh, Sinpo. That's the guy that fights first. You have your Tukin. That's the guy that fights second. And then you have your Taisho. And that's your, your caboose or your anchor, if you will. So you have to, whatever order you choose, you have to stick with that order the entire tournament. And you will always fight in that order for that entire tournament. And so... Um, I love how you know all the terms. <laughs> <laughs> but in the, these teams tournaments, uh, it's really fucking cool because you get so many bouts. Yes. Last year's Met, there were over 80 bouts for the entire tournament. We, uh, we There was a few things we had to truncate and abbreviate, but it was so fucking fun. I got to do so much sumo. Also... 
I got to do the live stream and commentary with Jessica, a Mighty Eagle Sumo Club member last year. The only female black belt in the U.S. Yes. And I will be doing the live stream and commentary for the Met again this year. So check that out. We'll be posting links when uh, the information becomes more available. Happening concurrently with the Met happening you know on February 10th as well is the Paris Sumo Open in Paris France you can contact yeah, Paris yeah. Sumo en Paris <laughs> you can contact Paris Sumo on Facebook or Instagram for more info or you can email info at paris-sumo.fr not do it in French info arroba paris tele sumo point fr <laughs> <laughs> I don't speak a lick of French, so I wouldn't be able to grade you on how well you did. But if you want to order pizza in Spanish, <laughs> I've got you. <laughs> All right. February 24th, the SoCal Sumo Open. Oh, yeah. San Diego, California at the City Heights Performance NX, 3795 Fairmount Avenue, San Diego, California. There's a $30 registration fee. Kids and teens compete for free. Our next episode, not this one, but the next one, is actually with JJ and Christina from Honosumo to talk about this very tournament as well as their other fantastic projects. And just bullshit about stupid things that we love. And Yeah, I, I love talking <laughs> to them and I love that we get, we just have, we just get lost in time talking with JJ and Christina. We really do. Love it. We love those guys. And among some of those uh, fantastic projects that Honu has in the works actually includes hosting nationals on June 1st, 2024. So keep an ear out for that. Hell yeah. April 6th is the inaugural Sakura Cup Sumo Tournament. Music City Muscle Gym at Nashville, Tennessee. And we're actually really going to make an effort to go to this one. I really want to go to that one. Because you have that showdown with Jake Collison. Yeah. And everybody is going to want to see that. Yeah. That's going to be fucking awesome. All right. And then April 12th and 13th. I wish you could see your face when you're doing that. Okay, give it to us. Roller Town Showdown Sumo Tournament Part 2. Woo! This is going to be in Salina, Texas at Roller Town Beer Works. Last year's tournament was fucking amazing. and I- It had Kagamaru! It had Kagamaru! <laughs> I can't wait to see how this one turns out. I mean, we had the gorgeous Georgians last year. Fucking uh, Justin Kizzert brought Kokai to and the Zuda. Consulates Cup, yeah. yeah. So there was Kokai, there was Zuda, and then uh, we had uh, Gagamaru. And hopefully, if uh, the winds are right, if we put all of our spirits... To blow into the currents of everybody else's energy on Earth, maybe we can sway if the universe. If we just manifest, we just vision collectively. Collectively manifest. Tochin Ocean getting his ass here. <laughs> I would love. I know. That. After Gagamaru, everybody was like, "Well, now we have to get all the Georgians." Yeah, so. all of the gorgeous Georgians. <laughs> Come on, Tochi. If you if you speak English. Or if someone's listening to this that speaks Georgian and or Japanese, tell Tochi to come to Texas. Yes. 
All right. So. Also, Roller Town is cool because it takes place at a brewery, and the brewery owners are just fantastic are guys. Great. And the structure of the tournament is so unique, too. As far as uh, sumo tournaments go, this is the only one that I've ever seen it set up where it's kind of like a team's tournament, but there's only two massive teams. Yeah, East versus West. It's like, it's like fucking dodgeball. You know, you have your team captains, and then they get to choose choose everyone who's on the team it's just it was so much fun last that, year that, seriously, i know the it's draft, gonna be great this year yeah the, yes. the team draft was one of the funnest parts of the event it was like a whole room full of sumo tori and a whole lot of spectators and everyone had fun doing that that was seriously one of the <laughs> there the was so parts. much shit talking during the draft it was amazing i love that so hopefully we can like not only recreate that energy but just like rock it up to its purest form like on the fucking the second <laughs> Roller Town Showdowns. Which is on what date? That is on April 12th and 13th, 2024. Hell yeah. But we'll have a lot more info popping up, you know, as uh, as it rolls out. So, And now, the Sumo Punks 2024 New Year's Q&A session will commence. You asked, we answer. And our first question actually comes from Richard Neal. He asks, how many active Yokozuna will there be at the end of 2024? And who will they be? Ooh, well... I am going to go ahead and go first on this one. I think that there's only going to be one. And it is very likely to be Karishima. And that's not just because Karishima is at the top of my boyfriend list. Well, right, right below you, of course. <laughs> but he's he's been doing so well lately. He had just that little bit of a setback right after he made Ozeki, but he's been killing it otherwise. Mm-hmm. I think everybody was really sleeping on him for a while. Nobody was even talking about him as a potential Yokozuna candidate until after he won this last Basho. Yeah. Everybody was like, oh, Takakesho, and then Takakesho <laughs> fucking... Shot the bed. Yeah, so um, really my vote is for Karishima. I think he's going to be our sole Yokozuna come... Probably maybe even, let me knock on some wood. So if Karishima... <laughs> that's plastic, actually. <laughs> oh, fuck, where's the wood? Hold on, hold on. The floor is wood. For All once, right. it's not lava. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, what I was going to say is I think that um, Karishima, if he wins the January Hotspot Show, you show, mm-hmm. that would be the second in a row. If he doesn't, though, I could totally see him winning two in a row further on in the year. But if he gets... As the, long as he doesn't get injured. What do they say? Is it like 33? Or is that... No, that's a four... That's for Ozeki promotion where you yeah, have to get 33. Yeah, you need 33 to get an Ozeki promotion. Typically for Yokozuna, it's two you show in a row. Yeah. But, you know, how they like to bend the rules And here sometimes there. they make exceptions and do yeah. do other things. But anyway, um, I would like to see Kurishima take one more stab at uh, Terano Fuji before he retires, you know, just to kind of just see where his skills are, you know? Yeah, because that's an important part of it as well, is winning a you show and like becoming a yokozuna from defeating the one of the current yokozuna the yokozuna exactly so with how injured terano fuji is 
it is pretty likely Karishima could win against him, but it, then we go into the question of like, well, you know, if it had been anybody else, would he have won? Yeah. And it's like, whatever. Just make Karishima fucking Yokozuna. I don't care. Okay, just do it. <laughs> All right. So for my answer, I'm going to say that I agree with you for the most part. However, mm. Scott Finley had put the seed in my mind that... Every single Mongolian Ozeki has always been promoted to Yokozuna. Mm. Every single Mongolian Ozeki has been promoted to Yokozuna. So you know who that includes. Hoshoryu. Hoshoryu. Yeah. And I think he's eventually going to be... I think he could eventually... Maybe not within the first three tournaments. I don't know if he's going to be able to do it in 2024, maybe by the beginning of 2025. I'm thinking by uh, the Kyushu Basho of 2024. Because look look at who he's got to contend with now, too, you know, with Atami Fuji in the mix. Fucking wrecking everybody's shit. Yeah. You have uh, Kota Nawaka. Oh, fuck yeah. Fucking just a lot of heavy hitters, you know. Yeah, Kota Nawaka, I feel like maybe his dad is just kind of like holding him back or doing something. I think like his dad hmm. being the fucking uh, the head judge is maybe he's trying to avoid nepotism or like the appearance of nepotism. So I, I just feel he's like making it harder for him than it needs to be. Exactly. I was about to he say he doesn't want to appear to have a disciple passion <laughs> or I guess it would be son. Passion, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. his son. But I think uh, Kotonowaka definitely has what it takes. And I think uh, especially, you know, the Japanese people would love to see a Japanese Yokozuna too. You know, there have been more Mongolian Yokozunas. The only Japanese Yokozuna that I could remember, like, you know, within the last, like, shit, 15 years, I think, was Kisei no Sato. Yeah. Well, maybe more like last 10 years. Even if Kotonowaka doesn't end up getting Yokozuna anytime soon, he's still, I think, going to throw he's... a lot of salt in Hoshoryu's oh, game, yeah. trying to trying to win that Yokozuna promotion, and possibly even Karishima. Yeah. So I really hope Kotonowaka could at least become an Ozeki this year, and maybe become a Yokozuna sometime next year. But if he he has the potential. Kotonowaka really does. He's a very solid yes. fucking rikishi. I could see Kotonowaka being Ozeki within 2024 for sure. Yeah. But the question Richard Neal posited was who are going to be the active Yokozuna at the end of 2024? And I say Hoshoryu and fucking... Uh, Karishima? Karishima. But not Takakesho. No. No. It's well, not going to happen for just, him. He... <sighs> I think he just gets too gassed out or he might get too psyched out or something. There's he needs something to be able to like take a few puffs off of his albuterol before he can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's, that's where I stand on the deal. Now that's who we predict is going to make it to Yokozuna. Yokozuna. If I were to tell you who I would like to see make it to Yokozuna, that would definitely be Ura. Oh, yeah. Because he finally made it to the Sanyaku ranks. That's so, fucking cool. Yeah. I and, fucking love it. But, uh, yeah, Karishima and in the perfect world, Ura. All right. The next question comes from the mighty Jacob DeCastro of... I love this guy. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> of Shogeki Sumo fame. 
So Jacob DeCastro asks, if a Camarite was your astrological sign, you know, your sun sign, moon sign, rising sign, what are they and what do they say about you? And he gives an example like Uchari moon or Yorikiri rising. So Sabrina being the uh, astrology <laughs> enthusiast that she is, we actually went to go pick up. Um, I wouldn't say I, I'm, I'm an expert or anything, but I'm a dabbler. So um, I would say, let's see, we're both Capricorns. Yes. We're both Capricorn sun and Cancer moon. Yes. And but then you I'm are Scorpio, Scorpio rising, rising and I am Pisces rising. Okay, so I think Capricorn, that would be, you know, because Capricorns tend to be stereotypically, you know, like kind of rigid, role-abiding, money-grubbing kind of, you know, what's the word that I'm looking for? I would say... Capricorns are lawful good, yeah, which gives them room to make up their own system of laws and follow it to the best of their ability. They're principled. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Um, I wouldn't say money-grubbing, but they are ambitious. There's the money, but that's, I was saying stereotypically that people always associate well, Capricorns with being like... We live in a capitalistic society, therefore many things are seen through a capitalistic lens. Yeah. Even... Shit that was made up a couple hundred years ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Capricorn, I think that would be, I would be a pretty basic bread and butter Kimarite. You think so? I think so. I think like a Capricorn. Like a, a Kimarite workhorse. You know? Uwatanage. Uwatanage? Yeah. Okay. So I'm an Uwatanage son. Yeah, well, another thing that's uh, very true of a Capricorn type of personality is, you know, they can be very go big or go home. Like, they want to do the very best like no one ever was. So, Uwatanage is one of those... Um, it's the one of the fan favorites, you know. Yeah, it's something I mean, that people like to see. Um, not just a win, but a... Uh, a flashy win, I guess you can say. Yeah, you know, not people, that Capricorns are necessarily always trying to be flashy, but significant. Yeah, significant. We'll we'll go with that. So Uwatanage Sun. It's this makes it so much easier that we have the same sun and moon yeah. signs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So being a Cancer Moon, people always say Cancer Moons are sensitive crybabies and are emotional. Um. Uh, it, you're not a crybaby just because you're in touch with your emotions and you're not afraid to show it, okay? <laughs> so, uh, cancer. So, what's something like a Kimarite that would be kind of like something that would invoke emotion? Ooh, something that would evoke emotion. What's the one... Because this would make me cry if I were in a bout with someone and they did the one where they just, like, grab your arm and, like, yank your hand down to where it touches the ground. Hikiotoshi? Yeah, Hikiotoshi. I'd be so fucking pissed if that happened to me. Everybody talks about the Hinka. No, I'd be mad if I was trying to fight this dude and all of a sudden he was like, hey, got your hand. And then I just, I'm out. I lose. <laughs> Just because my stupid-ass hand is too close to the stupid-ass ground. All right. So, yeah, that's Hikiotoshi Moon. All right. Yeah. So, we are... Um, okay, that was Uwatanage Sun, Hikiotoshi Moon. Okay, and I'm a Scorpio rising, and you are a uh, Pisces. Pisces rising. So, let's start with Pisces. Start with Pisces. Okay. Uh, Pisces can be pretty... They tend to be more spiritual. They can be ethereal. They're... Um, contemplative i guess you can say they can also be moody um 
So what's a, a good Kimari Te that would be kind of like that? Hmm. Something that'd be kind of weird and unexpected, but like like a rare Kimari Te? Yeah. Like Uchimuso. Uchimuso. Like, like Hakuho uh, used to do Uchimuso. Is that the one where it's kind of like a... It's like it's like a pinwheel type. Yeah, movement, it's like you're kind right? of doing a pinwheel, and so he'll grab. Let's say he grabs your right arm and yanks down on your right arm, but he takes his left hand and puts it on the inner thigh and like moves it out and up. So it's like you're spinning them. So, yeah, yeah, that he, does kind of make your opponent look like a dead fish. So yeah. I can see. <laughs> yeah, but Haku- then if we're going with the fish theme, I think um, is it Ashitori? The Ashitori leg pick? Yeah. I think that would be good because you're hooking your leg on and or like- Or hooking your arm under the or leg. Or hooking yeah. your arm onto the leg and like, you know, That's, dumping them that way. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So which, uh, out of those two, which would it be? I think maybe the Uchi Muso because you said the whole flopping fish. Yeah, fit, yeah. yeah. Okay. So they, they kind of because we saw that Hakuho and Koto Shogiku where Hakuho did the the Uchi Muso to him and he just kind of flopped. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now looking at it in my mind's eye, that's the one. The okay. Uchi so Muso. you, Sabrina, are an Uwatanage Sun, mm-hmm. a Hikiyotoshi Moon, mm-hmm. and a. Uchimuso rising. Yes. Okay. But your rising sign is Scorpio. So what would your Kamarite be? So Scorpios are, they're passionate. Yes. They can also be manipulative though. Very. So to manipulate someone's body to use against them. And who's hmm. the Kakanage? <laughs> the hooking inner thigh throw. The one that the aqua is always spamming. <sighs> No, I, I like that some people, if you check out some sumo live streams in the chat, you'll see anytime Aqua has one of his bouts, are like, do the leg thing, do the leg thing. <laughs> Scorpios tend to be very, like, evil sexy as well. Yeah, so evil <laughs> so sexy with the I think you just chose it. that one because you wanted to say cock <laughs> in your Kimari Te. All right, fine. But so fine. I am an Uwatanage son. And a uh, Hikiotoshi moon and a Kakenage rising. rising. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that one was actually that was that fun. Was a fun one, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next question then. So we got Kaylin, aka Zombie Mommy. Zombum. Zombum. Zomb. Mom. Zombum. Zomb. Zomb. Mumb. Mumb. <laughs> Okay, so she asks, who is your most improved amateur and most improved pro? Ooh, I feel like I'm going to make people mad by answering this one, so... <laughs> well, let's start with pro. Okay, so to start with pro, straight up has to be a Tommy Fuji. That's mine too. Because he has done just worlds better since uh, reaching Makuchi yeah, this his- last time around. He's had multiple junior shows... Uh, you know, the first time he was in Makuchi, he didn't really last that long. He was kind of getting his but bearings, he like I guess. Five, oh, he got like a five and ten or something eh, like that. Yeah, but this time it's just been, you know, he's he's been a front runner yeah. a few different times, and I can honestly see him. Uh, he's Magashira one now, so I can honestly probably see him. It really depends on his performance in the uh, 
the January tournament. I agree. I think, um, but, and I agree with pretty much everything you said. That's my pick for most improved as well. Yeah. If he does well in this tournament, depending on how well he does, he might stay at Magashira 1 or he might make it up to Komusubi by the March tournament. If he doesn't do very well, I think he's not going to drop out of the joy for sure. I think you're right. Yeah. I think he's going to stay in the joy, but um, I don't know what it is. He just seems like he has a lot more confidence in what he's doing, but it just seems like... I think if he like gets a really good like double-digit score by the end of the boss show, then like you know if he gets like a 13 or 14, yeah. then... They may make him Komusubi. If he gets, like, maybe a well, if he 10 gets, or 11, he'll stay at Maishira 1. Yeah, it's so constipated up there in, yeah. the, in the Sanyaku, so who knows? But yeah. Um, side note, I am super glad Ura made it up there. So Yeah, but definitely Tommy Fuji I'm most pr- proud of, and I know you are as well, because he That's is my son. your son. Um, For amateur sumo... Most improved amateur. Mm, Personally... Oh, uh, I actually want to say Christina Griffin Jones. Hell yeah! And her her path has uh, started, you know, before 2023, but um, she's really just grown a lot in the last year as yeah. far as like her her skill and her ring sense, and you know, she she made it to the World Sumo Championships. Yeah. I mean, that's very impressive. Really, like putting you. US women's sumo on the map there. So I'm I'm gonna say that's the one that I, I think is most improved out of uh US amateur sumo anyway. I can't say really much for the rest of the world, but yeah. well Kaylin didn't necessarily give like a time range for who's most improved mm. or when you know that uh you know Im- improvement time frame would have to happen. And uh I've I've seen quite a few, you know, some people get They've gotten really fucking good. And I'm just like, geez. Jacob um, DeCastro. Yeah. Um, who gave us the last question. He's really improved from. Way, it is style. Yeah, like fucking his, buff and like. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Eddie Midorikawa. Shit. Her e- fucking Eddie? Stu- yeah. Yes. She's gotten like, her her form has always been like on point. But, you know, just like yeah. seeing her at the uh, Anime Dallas demo, you know, like getting to see her fight like a whole lot. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, seeing her fight at the Texas Classic and seeing her fight at uh, the Consulates Cup. It's like, yeah, she's definitely fucking Oh, improved. yeah, for sure. And um, a fucking Corey, you know? Fucking, yeah. yeah. From the time that I started, I, I was watching some old videos of whenever I first started sumo, and I think it might have been like the fucking... Uh, it was it was one of the uh, earlier practices, and I actually I wanted to try Unu Watanage, and I actually pulled it off. Yeah, <laughs> man, if I tried to do that shit now, shit, Corey's fucking bouncing everywhere. He's fucking hard to keep a hold of. Yeah. And his style has just gotten so frenetic. He's got such fucking great lateral movement. He loves to fucking use that Oshi. He loves to fucking pull out those Notawas. And I showed you that video, whatever he did the uh, Kakanage to Rick and Rick yes. caught air. You know, he went, <laughs> Rick went horizontal and twisted a couple times before he landed. So I'm, if great. we're talking about just in general, you know, like fucking from the time that I started sumo up until now, 
I would have to say that probably Corey has like improved like the most that I've personally experienced, you know, because whenever we first started, you know, he just kind of looked like, you know, just some kind of guy, just chilling. <laughs> now he's all fucking buff and tan and his butt cheeks can crush beer cans. And he's all fucking. <laughs> yeah, dude. Fuck, yeah. Okay. I'm going with Corey. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, there you have it. Uh, next question. Who is still on your boyfriend roster and who has been removed? Mm. Mm. So I'm sure I don't have to say Karisha is still on my boyfriend roster. <laughs> um, I think Abby was on my boyfriend roster there for a minute, but I just don't give a shit about Abby anymore. Um <laughs> He's Let's just not see. bad boy enough. He's yeah. not as bad anymore. As much as I hate to say it, um, oof, I love Inho, but I it just keeps getting worse and worse with him. You know, I just I I feel sorry for him, and it, <laughs> I just I want to like pet him like a puppy instead of like you know put him in the boyfriend realm now. <laughs> oh. It's it's kind of changed from like a. From a romance to more of a uh, caretaker. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, I'd say he's off the roster. On a different roster, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Other boyfriends. Um, Midori Fuji is a boyfriend. A boyfriend. Yes. I, I'm always going to be a fan of Midori Fuji just because uh, he is my spirit rikshi. Um. <laughs> <laughs> also, let's see, who else? Boyfriend roster. I'm trying to think of some I've of never, the curio uh, guys. So I've never seen you, like, go for the type of, uh, you know, pretty boys like fucking Wakamoto Haru or anything. Oh, no. I don't give a fuck about Wakamoto Haru. And I yeah. See, I've seen a couple of pixies. There's always the Karishima. I'd say Ura, but I don't think he'd be into that. <laughs> <laughs> and then let's see who else. Let's break out the Bonzeke. Hey, there we go. All right, Toby Zaru. Toby Zaru. Um. Ooh, Toby Zaru is the kind of guy that I I would definitely be intrigued about at first but after dating him for like two weeks i'd be like no this can't i can't (laughs) let's let's talk about king boyfriend what about shodai shodai oh i'm not good enough for shodai (laughs) but he's still hardcore in the the boyfriend roster oh yeah definitely he's the he's He's the ruler of the boyfriend roster, <laughs> but not necessarily the number one spot. All right. What about my doppelganger, Nishiki? Not on the boyfriend roster. <laughs> uh, Nishiki actually has been impressing me here recently. Oh, this whole past so, year, he's been fucking badass. And he's got nice lips. Oh, just like me. So he maybe, uh, you know, has found a way to climb up into my... <laughs> The boyfriend. My roster. roster. But, um. All right, what about Hira da Umi? Hira da Umi? I see him more as maybe a brother. You know? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna friend zone Hira da Umi. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's see. Who are some Jurio guys? What about Thomas Shoho? Mm, nah. Yeah. Too bony. Yeah. All right, Shishi. 
Shishi, uh, same thing. He's too much like a little brother. I can't. Yeah. All right. What about Aqua? Oh, Aqua's like the gay uncle, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about like Mr. Like out and proud. <laughs> what about Mr. Sumo Chiyomaru? No. Just another guy that's more of a... Just another guy. You really. say he's just a friend. And you say he's <laughs> just a friend. Chiyomaru, you! <laughs> you got what I need! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Alright, so... You know, the boyfriend roster's still there. It sounds like, you know... Well, who's on your boyfriend roster? My boyfriend roster? Oh, man, that's still pretty much the fucking shame. Uh, <laughs> the shame. Same shame. Yeah, the same shame. <laughs> All right, so Daesho, fucking definitely up there. You know, he's probably always going to be one of my favorites. I love really? his battle faces and his Ninja oh, Turtle true. hands. Yeah. He's always smacking people around. <laughs> um, let's see. <laughs> I've been intrigued by the old Gonoyama fucking big G's fucking yeah? big burly ass fucking just like mean bear and he's kind of got he's kind of got like a little his face the way his face looks he looks like god how do I how do I put this he looks like that fucking cheesy football player that would like if all the other football players started fucking with you that he'd be like hey you lay off them yeah. my homie <laughs> so I can see Gonoyama being like that Tobizaru just cause he's a dolphin <laughs> why, why do you think he's well because he shaves everywhere he nares everything I think, oh. I think he might even have gotten lasered or something because he's got money he's but toby zaru you but. told me that you like him hairy huh or is that just for girls oh that's, you like that's the boys to be smooth <laughs> hey and then um let's see uh see if there's anybody in jurio yeah maybe thomas shoho he's not too bony thomas shoho and he's got that tooth thing, you know, his little fucking baby shark thing when he gets his uh, his towel and starts fighting up towel. It's like, <laughs> he knows how to work it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to remember that for next time. Matt likes teeth. <laughs> hey, be careful with those teeth. <laughs> what about Makushita guys? Um, those, some of those guys might be a little bit too young. Well, Wakataka Kage's in Makushita. Yeah, he's like 30, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, there are, there's a few down there, but, mm. all right. So the next question from Kaylin is top three buns in Ama and Pro. Top three buns. Top three buns. So first let's start with Amazumo on my side. Justin Kizzard. Justin Kizzard. <laughs> and then, uh, um, Eric Wynn. E- Eric does have a nice butt as well. Cakes. Uh, oh, and, Edo. Oh, Edo. Oh, fuck yeah, Edo. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay, those are the top three. But bonus. He puts work into it, though. Yeah. You know, it's. I don't know if it's natural or if it's just that he's like sculpted this butt out of clay for himself. But um, bonus bunt. Uh, who would have the? Oh, fucking um, Sensei Seth. Oh, whenever yeah. we saw him do the uh, the Olympia sumo, you know, championships, mm-hmm. and he had to get caked up for open weight. Sumo Seth got some cakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, or I say Sensei Seth. I say Sumo Seth. It, Sensei Seth. You know who I meant. You know what? He's both now. Yeah, so. he is Sumo Seth and Sensei <laughs> Seth. <laughs> Pro Sumo. So first and foremost, I would have to say 
out of all the butts that I think probably have the most power, fucking Chiyomaru. Have you seen Chiyomaru's butt? Jesus Christ, you could crack walnuts on that fucking thing. Aqua also has uh, very defined gluteal muscles. He does. Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily like a really muscular butt, though. I like one with a, a bit of jiggle to it, you know? You see, like, if I'm whenever I'm looking at these butts, I'm looking for power. I'm looking for sculptedness, <laughs> you know? I'm looking for fucking... Yeah, let's see. So, Chiyomaru, Aqua does have a good butt. Uh, surprisingly good butt, Takayasu. Let's see. Takayasu, yeah. The well, because sl- he's Filipino. He's so. got that light dusting of fur on it. <laughs> <laughs> that too, yeah. Let's see. Kizert and then Eric Wynn and then uh, Edo. Those are my picks for Amazumo. Okay. Pro, I would say Chiyomaru, Aqua, Takayasu. Okay, I think mine aligns exactly with yours. <laughs> okay, that is the official sumo punk stance on butts. There you was heard it here first. There was someone else. I can't remember who it was, um, but he was a, a lower division guy that just had an obnoxiously muscled ass, and it, it was a gif that I had that I kept showing. I was like, no, that's what I want my butt to look like. <laughs> I can't remember who it was, and. Oh, God, it's like such an easy-to-remember name. I just can't remember it. Whatever. It'll it'll come to you after we've stopped recording. I know. It always (laughs) does. Next question we have here. Alive or dead, which sumo tori would you want to have dinner with? And which do you want to do karaoke with? Oh, man. So... uh, the sumo tori that I would like to have dinner with, does it have to be pro or can it be amateur too? Fuck it. Do one pro, one amateur. Sure. Okay. Um, let's do amateur first. The sumo tori I would like to have dinner with would be uh, Susanna or Oh, Susanna? Susanna. From Poland? From Poland. Yeah. yeah. I mean... That girl looks like she knows how to eat. So yeah. I think she'd be the, yeah. <laughs> the amateur sumo uh, wrestler that I would want to have dinner with. Um, and then for pro... I'm sure she would make some damn good poroshkis. Right? Uh, for pro, I would say... Hmm. We watch those... Um, the Fujigoyama video? Yeah, those videos all the time where they're cooking and That's stuff. That's Roga's stable. Yeah. I, fuck it. Maybe I'll just have dinner with Roga. Yeah, all of, because it's his attendants. Well, they're not his, per, I think maybe one of them might be his personal attendants, but it's like his uh, juniors, you know, in that stable are the ones that are in charge of cooking and that actually do the, the little cooking show and they're always serving him like, come on, Roga, eat. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it would be cool to have dinner with Roga because he speaks English too. Uh, true. I bet he could tell us all all kinds of weird stories about what it's like to live in the Heian. Hey, if anyone knows Roga, say, hey, talk to sumo punks. Yeah. Come sit down and have a chat with us over some chonkonabe. Hell yeah. <laughs> Let's see who I would want to have dinner with. Fucking uh, that Zach kid that we had, um, that we went out to that restaurant with in The uh, guy Houston. that we already ate dinner with? Yeah! After the but, Texas Classic. But what about if we, like, cook a good dinner with that dude? Ooh, yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, we already know that he likes vegan food. So, True, yeah. So we could make something, like, fucking fantastic. Especially if we had, like, grills or, you know, our own, you know, fucking cooking implements. You know, yeah. we could 
Shit, that'd be badass. Hell yeah. And then uh if I had dinner with someone at Prosumo, it would have to be someone like in Maku Uchi who would have one of those patrons that would pay something stupidly extravagant. <laughs> and they would have to drag me along and fucking feed me some fucking weird Michelin star fucking, I don't know. I'd probably do something like that. But who would it be? Who's Ooh, got- it, it'd probably be like, I bet Takakesho. Would probably I could see have, him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But honestly, I'd say Shodai. Shodai? Yeah, he looks fucking fun. And yeah. he sucks at karaoke, so I wouldn't feel bad about sucking at karaoke too. So Shodai goes for karaoke. So and you dinner. don't have to you don't have to pick the same person for karaoke. No, you no, you don't. Different but I'm picking karaoke. Shodai because he's he's bad because, at karaoke like I am. Because you can suck together. Yes, and I wouldn't okay. feel bad about <laughs> sucking at karaoke. But like if I was like Uda, I can't sing like Uda. You know? Right. And I definitely cannot fucking sing like Ikioi. You know, shit. Yeah. Um, I'd say for for karaoke, uh Kakuryu. Oh, he's yes. really good at karaoke. Oh, what about Hokuto Fuji? Hokuto Fuji, Pineapple I would. Pen. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be a fun one. Okay, yeah, I might have to say Hokuto Fuji could come with me and Shodai to, to okay. do karaoke. Yeah, it'll just be the five of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so thank you, Kaylin. Those are fun. Hell yeah. This next question from Josh I on Twitter, which. Rikshi, do you think would be the most fun to hang with? Also, if they came to the USA, where would you take them? So this is um, a little bit similar to the last question, except we don't necessarily have to have dinner or, or do karaoke. Yeah. Which so this is specifically pro Rikshi, it sounds like. Which and pro Rikshi would you want to hang with? I want to hang out with Ura for sure. Oh fuck yeah. Um I'd take Shodai to the Goth show. Oh, man. Okay. If I were to pick two, it would be Ura and Shodai. Okay, because Ura, because you could eat cheeseburgers. You don't have to eat the McDonald's meat, like cheeseburgers. You actually have your own goddamn burgers, you know. But you could actually have burgers with Ura, and fucking, he likes to listen to rap. So you could fucking have yeah. like a nice hip hop day in the park eating cheeseburgers with Uda. Hell yeah. Or you could fucking, and then when it's nighttime, you know, you could put some makeup on Shodai, put him in a nice black poet shirt and yeah. you know, like take him to go see the fucking goth scene wherever, you know, shit. There's lots take of fucking Take him to go see Duran Gray. Oh my God. Well, <laughs> Malice Miser. If we took him to the US though. Oh, true, true, true. I'd take him to go yeah, see they, Pons. They did specify uh, in the U.S., so. Yeah. So Pons, that would be a good one. Yeah, that'd be a good one. As far as where would we take Ura, though? Definitely a good cheeseburger place. Shit, Hamburger Mary's. And then fucking after that. <gasps> Hamburger Mary's! Fuck, why didn't I think about that? If, okay, okay. If my assumptions about Ura are correct, he would fucking love Hamburger Mary's. And then, okay, and if, if you know anything to- about Hamburger Mary's, you and you know what the typical assumption is about Ura, you will know exactly why I would like to take him there. <laughs> well, I was saying because Hamburger Mary's, like in Portland, Hamburger Mary's is like, well, it was some years ago. It was like catty corner from fucking uh, ground control. So we could go to Hamburger Mary's with Uda and you know, get the cheeseburger on. And then after that, yes. we could go to ground control and fucking get video games on. 
And I don't know how it ended up in Portland, but that just sounds like yeah, Portland would be a fun city. Yeah, take the sheet of Portland, Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even have to say any specific place. Just take the rikishi to Oregon, to Portland, Oregon. To Portland. But, like, there's other rikishi that I'd like to take to, like, Pawnee and, like, make them try fucking steam fry and corn soup and fry bread. And yeah. Fucking, <laughs> you know, fucking... Uh, I just think it'd be cool to take Rikishi to the res because that's just like a piece of America they probably would never, ever really get to experience. Yeah, I think true. the closest they may be able to kind of experience that would be like, you know, some of the Ainu communities, you know, in Hokkaido. Yeah. But even then, a lot of the, you know, Ainu people kind of keep their cultural identity under wraps because of, well, you know, colonization. <laughs> yeah. Same as we do, you know, there's a whole lot of, you meet a lot of people in the U.S. that say, oh, well, you know, my great grandma lost her papers or was too ashamed to be Indian, so she never registered, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. You hear those stories, but I would really like to fucking have the Rikishi, you know, really experience indigenous culture and say, oh, that's America, you know. Yeah. To get, like, a different perspective. Because, you know, when I think of the U.S., I don't look at it in the same lens as a lot of other people. Because I'm living on the bones of my ancestors. You know, fucking... I'm living on a a place that is deeply rooted and connected to my people's creation story. And, you know, it's... This is, you know, a, a part... This place where I live is an intrinsic part of my identity. Yeah, exactly. And, and, it, and I kind of feel the same. That's kind of what sumo, you know, is. It's yeah. an intrinsic part of Japan's cultural identity. And yeah, I just would, and to have those two worlds meet, that would just be like a neat thing to yeah, do. For me really. personally, I would fucking <laughs> love that. That would yeah. be fucking great. But who would I take to go to the res? Who likes kids? <laughs> Hakuho for sure. Yeah. I would take Hakuho to Take to Hakuho Pani. to the res. All right, fine. We're taking Hakuho to the res. <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt now. Yeah, take taking... Hakuho to the res. Fuck yes. <laughs> oh my God. We're making that. Take Hakuho to the res. <laughs> Just have a picture of him standing there with like some fry bread in one hand. And, and like... a bunch of res kids holding his hand like, come yeah. on, Hakuho. And then fucking some there's... res dogs humping in the back. I was going to say some rest dogs <laughs> stuck in the background. <laughs> they have to be stuck. They have to be stuck together, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So what bands do you wish to share with the world that they likely haven't heard? What band are you? I'm an average life expectancy. No, I meant Uh-oh. what Pawnee Oh, what band, band. are the Pawnee? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I am Piktahareata and I am Kitkahaki. And okay. I know I got some ski D back in there somewhere, you know, because I'm my great grandpa, Philip Jim, um, his wife was a leading fox. And I know those leading foxes are. Uh, they got some ski D. They got some ski Oh, no, I don't know. She was a leading fox. She was a Pratt. Ella mm. Pratt. And those Pratts are ski D. So, yeah, I got some ski D in there. Dang. Okay. But as far as like musical bands. Okay. Musical bands that I really want to share with the world. Fuck. All right. Of course, my fucking band, Average Life Expectancy. I want more people to check us out. If you're really into, you know, metal where people scream a lot and the music is kind of a... What specific genre is Average Life Expectancy? Avant-garde metal or maybe uh, grindcore? Avant-grind metal. avant metal. We'll say experimental. It's definitely experimental. Squonk metal. (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense musically. Let me put it this way. Our drummer uh, has a lot of free jazz experience and has a very fluid... uh, His his style's like water. It's fucking great. I love it. Cody is... 
fucking wild drummer. He is. I Coco love Loco. watching him I do his too. thing. And I just, I his his personality in the band is just so fucking great. He's, yeah, he's, he's the glue. And then, um, like Jakey and Riley, like their guitar fucking switch offs, like they're just such talented fucking musicians. They're incredible. They're so musicians. in sync with each other too. They are, and the way that they keep in sync with their nonverbal cues is yeah. fucking great. I love that. <laughs> and then Gex, holy shit, you know, like I've been playing music with Gex for like ten years, and just like he's an incredible guitar player, he's an incredible bassist, he's versatile in all kinds of different styles of music. He has like the largest vinyl record collection I've ever seen. One human being have and, and it's not just like you know sometimes you'll inherit like your relatives record collections from like the 60s like, and no the 70s. he actually sought all of these out yeah oh no he's inherited some records too you know but there are many of them that he has just sought out because they're rare because they're significant because he's just really into weird obscure kraut rock from the 70s he's into like fucking like some strange folk music he likes whitney houston <laughs> he really fucking loves per ubu you know he's uh, he this is the fucking death metal, you know? He fucking, he's the one that introduced me to Blood Incantation. Yeah. You know, so it's like, he's a very versatile, you know, musician, and he's a damn good bass player. So him and Cody, like, really fucking, like, just work great back and forth. And then, like, Riley and fucking Jakey just... Okay. So yes, world, go check out Average Life Expectancy, Matt's band. <laughs> yeah. Because other than that, I mean, I always talk about the bands that I am in absolute love with, like Civil Disobedience. They're from yeah. Flint, Michigan from back in like 1990. Yeah. Fucking Filth from Berkeley, California around 1990, 1989, somewhere around there. Fucking yeah. Operation Ivy from the same spot. Uh, fucking Oz Rotten from, uh, I think they're from Pittsburgh around the same time frame, 1992 yeah. or somewhere around there. You could, you're seeing a theme with my taste of music yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Capitalist casualties, fucking power violence from, I think they're from Santa Rosa, California around 1990. <laughs> 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 fucking, uh, goddamn, speaking of 1990, Sepultura, man, shit. Yeah. I mean, you want to listen to fucking Chaos AD or some shit or Arise, man, fuck, Sepultura. Man, and the Schizophrenia album by Sepultura was probably my favorite when I was growing up. That album's fucking awesome. Uh, let's see. Warbringer. Warbringer. Fucking Warbringer. Hell yeah. Okay, right now, if you're into thrash metal or any type of like, you know, fast metal at all, hit pause and look up Hunter, Hunter Seeker. Seeker. <laughs> I uh, knew that was going to be the one you were going to suggest. Yeah, Hunter Seeker's great, but Shattered Light Glass is like really good. Fucking, mm -hmm. uh, first album is fucking great. Those, they were like 16, 17 whenever they did that like first album and it's fucking flawed. And it came out in like the early 00s. 2004, yeah. Yeah. Who's Solicitor. Another? Oh, I was about to say fucking Solicitor. That was a yeah. great fucking show. And Amy Lee Carlson's vocals are fucking, oh my God, I would say on par with fucking Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden. Like just She that. is honestly the reason why, I know I said I quit smoking because of COVID, but she's the reason why I quit smoking. So you could have that kind of yes, voice. Yes, so I can preserve my voice to sing like she does. Listen to the Red Queen by Solicitor. Yes. And all of the vowels in Solicitor all have umlauts. So yes. you'll know you're looking at the That's right how you band. know it's cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, who's another band that I've just been fucking obsessed with? Oh, Godot from Denton. Yeah. Yeah, G-O-D-O-T. And they're a fucking... Uh, so a lot of people call them like mathcore. Other mm -hmm. people, I've heard them describe them as screamo. And uh, other people as emo violence. But... <laughs> I think it's 
It's a lot like average life expectancy. We have a lot of in yeah. common, you know, with Godot, but they do kind of go more into the emo territory. Um, if you like, you know, that kind of like screamo thing, but it does not, I repeat, it does not go into the deathcore metalcore territory because that's where I draw the line. And Godot, they just ain't like that. They're like more, I would say they're kind of on the crustier side, like, uh, they're definitely involved in the punk scene and, you know, they chew a lot of dirt with, you know, some crusty punks like myself, but they're also, you know, able to seamlessly go into like, you know, like emo scenes or like fucking, uh, even just straight up metal scene, you know, they, they're, I wouldn't necessarily say musical chameleons. They just, they're just appealing. I really like them. So yeah. Yeah. Godot from Denton. Average life expectancy. Oh, and if you do like the emo side of things, please advise. They're a newer emo band in Denton. That's, yeah, that's Gex's band. That's Gex's band. <laughs> Oh, and if you really want to know the type of punk scene that we're in in Denton, check out Memory Terminal Records. Because yes. almost everyone in Denton has something released on Memory Terminal. And they have some compilations out there that are fucking fantastic. And you could really get a feel for, you know, the type of uh, music scene that we're living in here. It's fucking great. I love it. Hell yeah. Me, personally, I listen to pretty much all the same stuff you do, but I think I listen to more electronic music than you do. You do listen to more... I do listen to some synthy stuff, but... Yeah. Like, I like Varsovia. I fucking love Varsovia. That's one of the ones I would want to introduce to the world. They're like a goth electric... Or how would you describe them? Synth punk. Synth punk. Yes, that is a perfect term for Varsovia. Uh, so they're a synth punk band from Peru. Yeah. Actually. Um, they do the theme song for Los Spookies. On, Los Spookies. On, you can watch that on Max or it's HBO Max. It's one of Max. my favorite shows. <laughs> I fucking love that show. It's about these goth kids that have like a special effects service. Yeah. And so they could go and like haunt people or- They they uh, perform fake hauntings for people. Yeah. But then they actually end up meeting real ghosts and just go watch it. It's yeah. funny as fuck. Spooky. It's got Fred Armisen in it. It's fantastic. But the theme song is by Varsovia and on that album is a song, um, was it um, El Escuadron de la Muerte? Yeah. That's my favorite fucking song on the whole album. I think that's on Spotify too. El Escuadron de la Muerte by Varsovia. Uh, another good one is actually a band from Austin, Street Sects. Oh, I love Street Sects. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else? I was into health for a while. I don't really know so much about their um, their more recent stuff. I haven't really even had a chance to listen to a lot of the more recent I stuff. I like the recent album. The one that really? they have that song with Street Sects on it. And they have that song with The Body. You know, oh, I'm talking like... about Since Then. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Besides that... Um, let me just look at my Spotify artist list. Yeah, Josh, you fucking hit a nerve with this question. <laughs> You're talking to a couple of music nerds. I mean, if you if you want to go old school, not old, old school like the 90s, but like close to that, I guess, of course. Um, I'm a huge fan of Dystopia and Wolf oh, Brigade. Yeah, Wolf Brigade t started in like the early 90s, though, didn't they? I thought they, they were like eight, originally maybe. Wolf Wolfpack. Wolfpack. Yeah. And then um, Wolf Brigade. Uh, tragedy. Oh, uh, another electronic artist, Youth Code. I love Youth Code. We saw Youth Code. We did see Youth What's Code. Off? Yeah. Boy Harsher. I love Boy Harsher. <laughs> Uh, we little, saw them too. That was great. Yeah, little known one is uh, Linea Aspera. 
Oh, Feminazgul. Feminazgul is a uh, kind of an ambient black metal project by one of my favorite writers slash musicians slash podcasters, uh, Margaret Killjoy. That's one to check out if you're really into Tolkien, like oh, yeah. Lord of the Rings and shit, and black metal and ambient shit and... Um, unconventional instruments that's exactly what i was gonna say lots of weird instruments especially like on that uh the first song on the record um i'm not sure what the first song is on like the uh digital version but like on the vinyl record that first song kicks in where you hear like the birds chirping Mm -hmm. and you hear that bass drum and i think that's an accordion isn't it it does sound like an accordion it may not be an accordion though because i know that she makes her own instruments as well oh shit. so yeah but yeah that fucking song yeah it's like i said an accordion but it's fucking black metal and it's black metal no yeah. it, it works <laughs> it fucking and i'm not talking about like you know an accordion and black metal if like if corpa clani tried to do a black metal song or something like that <laughs> not like that but it's just listen to it it fits I, I think we can keep going on and on and on with this question. So. Yeah, there's a lot of bands that I would really wish a lot of people had heard of and that I think should be more popular out there, but they're not because the music industry is full of bozos. We do have the Sumo Punk's workout playlist on Spotify if you ever want to check that out. That has a lot of the shit that we just mentioned and a lot of yeah. stuff that we didn't. Mostly stuff specifically formulated to get you pumped. Exactly. You see those, you know, uh, that episode of King of the Hill, you know, where Bill gets the muscle dudes that are forcing <laughs> him to listen to thrash metal while he gets all fucking beefed up. That's what we're doing. Yes. Power violence. Yes. All right. Next question is actually from Jake from Grand Sumo Breakdown. Jake! He asks, what parts of doing slash following amateur sumo do you find most useful or enlightening for your coverage of pro sumo? First and foremost, it helps me not be a fucking armchair oyakata. Yeah. Seriously, I see so much fucking asinine shit and opinions like on social media around the Basho times. And it's just like, dude, fucking shut up. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Okay, I like to have asinine opinions just because I know it's going to get a reaction out of people. Yeah. So I, I'm i going to give others the benefit of the doubt and assume that that's what they're doing, too. <laughs> I can tell the difference between those that know and are fucking around and those that are just fucking uh, who think they know but they don't really yeah yeah because you can and there's people like that in every sport i like to look at the sumo groups when there's not a tournament going on because that's whenever you'll meet like the real fucking fans that are yeah and then it swells with like the fair weather fans once the fucking basho start happening yeah But but whenever there's newbies in there, I like to answer newbie questions and, you know, be nice to people and, you know, make sure. sure the sumo community is welcoming. But if it's like, you know, like that one jackhole, like where his whole fucking deal, the entire time that Shodai was an Ozeki, it was like this dude from Poland, like every single one of his posts and like every single Facebook sumo group was all just him shitting on Shodai the entire yeah, time. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, that, that fucking dude. But like there was a, a profile on there that's like, you know, Shodai Naoya fan. Yeah. Yeah, so me and that profile, like, gang up on that dude. Like, <laughs> fuck you, dude. That's our homeboy. You know, I love that guy. <laughs> I do, too. But, yeah, that other dude could eat a dick. <laughs> but, no, I think for me, the... Um 
since I don't really get to do sumo because uh, my own body is trying to kill me, um, mostly what I do is coverage of sumo. So that includes amateur sumo and pro sumo. And one thing that I can say about covering amateur sumo, especially um, for live events, is that it's really given me a new perspective on the amount of knowledge you have to keep in your head to be a commentator for, I guess, not just sumo, any kind of sport or live event or whatever, yeah. you know? So... Um, I did go to journalism school, <laughs> but sometimes I feel like actually just getting in there and doing it ha has been more beneficial for me than, um, you know, learning about fucking new media and fucking whatever other terms they threw around when I was in college. So but, it sounds like participant observation yeah. is like the, uh, that's the objective perspective that one is supposed to have, like within like anthropology. So, yeah. so having participant observation means you're living alongside these folks and basically I want to become the next Katrina Watts. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lofty good goal. Hell yeah. yeah. And for me, I think being an amateur sumo tori helps me appreciate exactly how much work goes into being, you know, a pro rikshi. And, you know, whenever these guys are injured or, you know, whenever they seem like they're stuck in their own heads and, uh, you know, they got shit going on and, you know, they're not doing as well as they would like. I know that feeling. I know that exact feeling and it sucks, but it really pisses me off whenever I see other people like fucking try to shit on those guys. And it's just like, man, you don't even fucking know. Yeah. But I would say that being involved in amateur sumo gives me intimate experience with the different techniques, not just the kimarite, but things like like an otsuke. You know, I mm -hmm. wouldn't know what an otsuke was and, unless I, you know, either watched years of pro sumo or just had, you know, someone do an otsuke to me or Justin Kizzer teach me what an otsuke was, you know. Yeah. And um, other... That's, that's kind of related to another thing that um, has influenced, like, my coverage of pro sumo from amateur sumo is that it's given me a bigger appreciation for the less flashy moves yeah you know because you see i see you guys training all the time and you know like a fucking yori kiri or whatever may not be the most spectacular kimarite but it takes a lot of effort and training to even like get to the point where you can effectively execute a kimarite like that yeah just to you know just to have meat and potato sumo actually yeah. takes a lot of fucking effort and practice yes you know? <laughs> I mean, look at Atami Fuji. Like, that's his style. It's pretty much meat and potato sumo. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, and he came from the amateur world, you know? Yeah. So I think being involved in amateur sumo lets you study the techniques a little bit more in depth. And it gives you the ability to recognize them whenever someone pulls it off. And if they pull it off well, or if they pull it off like shit. So. Yeah, and and one last thing I wanted to mention is um, you get a better idea of what kind of support that a sumo tori needs to do their best, yeah. and it's 
it's interesting to just kind of, you know, think about that in terms of amateur sumo versus pro sumo and um, the the two different uh, environments in which they get that support and how they can kind of cross over and where you can like learn from one to improve another, you know? Yeah. Next question. The world is beset by super COVID, and the only material you have available for masking are the mawashis of pro sumo wrestlers. Which mawashis would be the most and least desirable for strapping to your face? See, Jake thinks that he got us with this question, but he just doesn't know that I'm a huge fan of body odor. She loves actually. <laughs> So, um, because I haven't worn deodorant in like over 20 years and she still somehow likes me. So. Yeah, no, I will stick my face straight up in your armpit and take a <laughs> big old whiff. But I usually don't <laughs> smell bad, like, well, terribly bad. And you know, uh, scent is in the nose of the beholder, <laughs> so maybe to someone else you do, but to me, it smells like just pure, unadulterated sex. <laughs> so uh, as far as which rikshi I would like to uh, wear on my face, um, that's a that's a tough one too because you know I do have my whole boyfriend list, but that's not necessarily going to be the ones that I'm thinking. Oh shit! I wonder what that guy smells like. <laughs> I already know who I already know who I'm picking. Really, Toby Zaru. Toby Zaru. He's a dolphin. <laughs> That means I'm not going to be getting pubes stuck in my teeth whenever I'm trying to fucking, you know, mask up and shit. And there's not all that fucking hair, you know, to fucking hold in the funk. Because, you know, it, there might be a little bit of funk. Everybody's got a little bit of funk. Yeah, yeah, But, I mean, like, you know, what if he fucking had, like, a, you know, a bad pee one day and just pissed all over his pubes or something and then just, like, held it in and he just had to practice like that, like, all day and it just got, like, super funky and, like, soaked in his mawashi and it was just like, oh, fuck. He just got nasty piss sweat and gross funk and it's all soaked into the pubes and that's just, man, I, I, I am just not about that life. So give me okay. some fucking goddamn nerd ass Toby Zaru fucking Mawashi to strap on my face so I could survive in the super COVID times and fucking, you know, go raid a grocery store or something. You're making me self-conscious about my own body hair now. <laughs> um, I'm talking about, you know, Toby Zaru. Or well, I'm not Toby Zaru. I'm talking about like fucking sumo wrestler specifically. Like, okay. 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 Do you really want to wear a Roga Mawashi? I would. Oh. Do you but want to wear a Takayasu Mawashi? That's what I was going to say, actually. That was going to be my pick, is Takayasu. <laughs> All right, what about Koto I'm Echo? not joking. Takayasu, yeah. Koto Echo? He's a hairy man. Oh, that's the one, <laughs> actually. The Lavender Menace? Either one, really, but like, yeah, Koto Echo. So you want my rejects? Sure. This works. We're going to survive Super COVID. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and repopulate the earth. <laughs> okay, so I don't want to wear the other... And, and keep in mind, I do love hairy women. I just yeah, yeah. But I don't want to wear piss and ball-soaked sweat mawashi on my face and get Is it pubes stuck in my teeth. Is it specifically the balls? It's and not the just the specific funk that comes from the balls. There is a specific ball funk. There really okay. is. And that's kind of like, everybody has their own individual ball scent. Mm. But... 
depending it's but that, that's what that's what i'm saying like the hairier the ball sack is the worst of the funk it holds on to ah and i'm not talking about like good musk i'm talking about funk i'm talking about from cheese I'm talking about that shit where it's like, you know, maybe you didn't, uh, cause those guys, I'm sure when they try to wipe their butt, it's like fucking trying to wipe off frosting off of a cake with a cheap gas station paper towel, you know? <laughs> so, well, no, that's in Japan. They might be, Japan's a wet country, right? Um, are they a bidet country or are they a, uh, toilet paper country? Oh, that's a good question. I want to say probably. Bidet? We'll have to ask Kaylin. I know there are some pretty uh, pretty fancy bidets in Japan. I don't know if ever, everybody necessarily uses those, though. So if there are bidets in Japan and they're common, like they are in places like, you know, like in the Middle East. Yeah. So if uh, people are using bidets in Japan, then it might not be so bad. Yeah. But if Japan's a lot like the U.S. and people are using fucking toilet paper and those dudes are that hairy... Give me a Tobizaru Mawashi. Okay, so the real the real issue here is the toilet paper. So all the reeks she used a bidet, which one would it be then? That I would not. That you would. Tobizaru, because he is a fucking dolphin. <laughs> Fine, you can have Tobizaru. I will have Takiyasu and Kotoiko. Okay. <laughs> Our last question comes from Mawashi Guru. Otherwise known as Brenda. (laughs) She asks, or she says, describe your ideal sumo after party. All right, karaoke, that goes without saying. That's just one of the main requirements or it's not a sumo party. Yes, yes, we have to have karaoke. And Jacob DeCastro has to be there to do karaoke. Jacob DeCastro (laughs) is a karaoke fucking superstar. Fucking treasure. Jacob DeCastro is a karaoke deity. He's just after consulates, I had I had no fucking idea. Yeah, and then the after right. party after consulates was where I really got to see like just this different side of him. I like not only is he really good at karaoke, but like just I don't know. Fucking I'm, hilarious. Yes. <laughs> Like maybe maybe I just was uh, too busy focusing on other things, or maybe um, you know he was a little bit shy, shy with us at first. Bad. But he really opened up, and I got to see a side of him that um, I really like. Honestly, I know he's, I, I became super enamored with Jacob DeCastro. He's one of my new come. favorite uh, U.S. amateur sumo people yeah. and uh, from Shogeki Sumo Club. When I when I first encountered you know Jacob DeCastro, you know it was just real quiet you know just kind of yeah. chilling starting to look kind of buff you know i was like oh, I can't. <laughs> it, it, we uh we had a date geiko and that's back when we were still practicing in uh carrollton and uh i was like oh yeah but then i saw him wrestle he had so much fucking just power and so much yeah. force i was like damn and then the the time after that was the first consulates cup that i got to go to mm-hmm. and that's whenever i saw jacob de castro fight i was like damn like you know fight competitively and i was like damn that guy's good and the more time that went by i just kind of saw jacob de castro as like this fucking like i don't know like Kotoweko Ishira fucking like type fucking you know sumo wrestler I was like yeah that fucking dude and then when I got to know Jacob DeCastro and saw the fucking like you know the karaoke deity side yeah fucking, you know got to like you know like sit and joke around and fucking you know that, that 
that's what, that's what <laughs> did it for me. I was like, okay, Jacob DeCastro's fucking cool. Okay, so then we got karaoke lockdown, arm wrestling. Arm wrestling. Arm wrestling. Yes. Oh, my God. That is a U.S. sumo tradition. There has to be arm wrestling. And from what the uh, U.S. team has told us about uh, the World Sumo Championships, that they ended up getting the rest of the world you know, involved in their arm wrestling shenanigans. Yes. So it's like, yes. We're arm spreading wrestling. it across the globe. <laughs> uh, besides the karaoke and the arm wrestling, I vote for Malort. Malort. <laughs> Matt, that's all Matt Shields' fault. It is. That's all Matt Shields from Chicago Sumo. Um, but no, everybody has to try Malort. Mm-hmm. And we all want to laugh at the face you make after you take your shot of Malort. You'll either love it or you will immediately look at us like, what the fuck did you do to me? <laughs> Um, uh, along the lines of people who we would want to be there, of course, all of the pro Rikshi that we've mentioned in this episode so far, and really all of the amateur sumo wrestlers that we've mentioned. Yeah. Like Hakuho would have to run the fucking, uh, the child care center while the adults <laughs> are getting drunk. Yes. Oh my God. Ooh, what kind of food would we have though? Oh, all kinds. Like, Yeah. So the type of food that we could all have, like some giant fucking like, or just like a straight chonko fucking like buffet, fuck it. The way that you made that hand gesture, I was certain you were gonna say a chonko trough. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like a big long line of different pots of different kinds of chonko, like a buffet yeah. style sort of thing. No, I I don't know, man. I I'm really digging this idea of the chonko trough. I think we just need like. <laughs> One long trough, and then, like, everybody has to, like, you know, do a squat at the edge of the trough, and then, like... Just dip your face dip in. Dip their face in and start slurping. So, yes, karaoke, uh, arm wrestling, malort, chonko trough. Uh- <laughs> oh, my God. Shit, all the podcasts have to be there. Yes, so that's including us, Grand Sumo Breakdown, Saki, Saki and, and Sumo, Sumo Kaboom, Sumo Mainichi, uh, uh, the Jake Book and all of his projects. Yeah, uh, Maximum Effort. Maximum Effort. Or what? What is the thing? They There's Maximum Effort and Minimum, minimum effort. effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, just Maximum Effort new, Studios. Yeah. And I'm sure we're probably forgetting a couple, and they're going to be bad at us now. Uh, <laughs> no goose. Oh, that's right. Uh, Salt City. Let's see. Yeah, Salt City's in the house. Yeah. Fucking, I know that we're forgetting someone, and I'm so sorry. Fucking Tachi Eye. Fucking Tachi Eye. Tachi Eye. Yeah. Fucking Bruce. Bruce. Fucking Bruce. Uh, Jason. She could come. Jay Wags. He could yeah. Come. Uh, Scott Finley. Yeah, fuck yeah, yeah Scott, Finley, Scott Finley. But I thought he was going to be part of like the uh, the entourage, you know, like the fucking part of the the wrestlers in the Oya uh, Yeah, and yeah. Well, they get to be there for the after yeah, party fuck too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we could make this like an international affair then. Yeah, hell yeah. Let's have all the people Global from Poland, all the people party. from uh, Ukraine, all of the the Italians. You know, they're fuck they're yeah. the Brazilians. That. The Brazilians. Yes. <laughs> Shit, the Venezuelans, they were at fucking uh, the World Combat Games. Shit, they were, yeah. they were tough. Hell yeah. Norway, Estonia, 
fucking uh, I'm forgetting all the countries now India, too. Sri Lanka. everybody everybody's gonna <laughs> yeah. be there with the Chonko trough and the Malort and we're all gonna arm wrestle while doing karaoke simultaneously yes and Jacob DeCastro is going to lead us in these endeavors yeah. <laughs> well in the in the karaoke endeavors <laughs> no all of it he, all, yeah, okay. yeah. He's the, he'll, he'll be the uh, the MC what do they call that the yeah. Okay, but yeah, he'll be the uh, master of the after party. That I think that's pretty much uh, the end of the episode. Now we've gone through <laughs> all the questions. <laughs> um, you guys know where to find us. We're on all of the social media: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can email us. That's sumopunks at gmail dot com. Make sure you're spelling sumopunks with an X. So. P-U-N-K. No. <laughs> P-U-N-X. Even, even I almost spelled it wrong. P-U-N-X <laughs> for punks. And then we also have two shops online that you can check out if you want to buy a cool t-shirt or sticker or mouse pad or... Um, let's see. Is that... Oh, if you like this episode, give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find us and enjoy us just as well. Yeah. Oh, and if you're watching this on YouTube, you should like totally like this video. You should subscribe. You should hit the you know subscribe to yeah, all. Yeah, do the, do all the things that all the YouTube people always. Yeah, tell do you the do. do the YouTube things. Yeah, definitely check out uh, the Mighty Eagle Teams tournament. We will be, well, I will be hosting the live stream and doing commentary on that. We will also be doing the live stream commentary for the SoCal Sumo Open. So check that out as well. And until next time, bye. bye.